Welcome to Audience First, a podcast for tech marketers looking to break out of the echo chamber to better understand their audience and turn them into loyal customers. Every week, Danny Wolf has brutally honest conversations with busy tech buyers about what really motivates them, the things they hate that vendors do, and what you can do about it. Get access to practical information on how to build authentic relationships with your audience. Listen to and talk with your buyers and apply real customer insights to your strategies and tactics. You owe it to the world to unmute your mic. Are you ready? Welcome to another episode of Audience First. I love this because this is the third installment of the series where we're going to go through everything I learned regarding customer research in the cybersecurity industry. Today is special because we're going to be going through the actual application of Insight. But I'm not going to do this alone and I'm not going to do it in an echo chamber. I have a very special guest, one of my favorite peoples on the planet, the one and only Clark Barron. How are you? I'm doing good. We're going we're gonna to bring you on for sound effects. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This uh, is... This is one of those uh, parts of this series that I'm ready and chomping at the bit to dive into. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be super fluid. It's going to be kind of open conversation. I have a lot of ideas, but again, like I I didn't want to do this in my own echo chamber by myself because I want to hear from your perspective uh, what you think could be done uh, practically with regards to some of the, the evidence that, you know, I pulled in the last year and a half, too. And we're going to talk about customer insight as it applies to demand generation, because when we talk when we talk about customer insight or we talk about like ideal customer profiles or personas or whatever, largely the product marketer is responsible for getting that data, building those profiles, distilling that insight, sitting in on the analyst calls and talking to the customers. But yep, in my in my experience, and I don't know if it, this applies to you, but like in my experience, and the whole reason why Audience First exists is because I, I experienced lack of cons- customer insight. I was tasked to 2x, 3x growth, but nobody gave me, you know, access to to talk to people. Like, how can you do that if you can't talk to people? Uh, well, you know, you got some shady gray, you know, gray hat areas to, you know, some avenues you can go down as as we all know but um yeah it's one of those situations where if like i've i've long since said that if you're if you're a demand gen marketer that is the first demand gen hire but not the first marketing hire and there is a well established product marketing function you're in trouble you're in trouble Why? because because they've they have not only put together all of the messaging, they have put together uh, the brand, the website, the uh, the tone, the voice, and you walk into a pre-built uh, function, you know, from the the wish.com demand gen starter kit, and you don't know if they talk to the audience. They don't, you don't know if they did all of that before having uh, PMF, if they, you know, what are, what are they basing that off of all of those decisions, the language being used? I mean, you know, in this industry, like you better know what you're talking about. You better not be over promising and under delivering. Like, so it's, I have been that demand gen market where product marketing yeah. was just it was pre-built like it, it mm-hmm. was the the starter kit and you walk in and go oh well let me scratch my entire 90 days um i didn't know how deep it went because i have to go in and audit everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and i frankly i feel like you know to your point you know the product marketer in some cases doesn't touch on the actual use cases or doesn't touch on the actual insight that you need as a demand marketer like you know, all the data is great and the data that we dig for is great, but I need very, very specific questions to ask people. And I don't have that, an- that answer in the data. 
Um, that's something that I've experienced as well. Uh, and and serious lack of qualitative. Just, yeah, yeah, serious lack of qualitative for sure. Um, and and in many cases, those product marketers don't know how to ask the questions the right way, and so mm. the 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 data is very surface level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting. This is going to be a good conversation. I actually want to ping some ideas off you. I think what we're going to do today is we're going to do kind of a quick recap of major themes heard throughout the podcast in the last year and a half. Then we're going to go through a list of you know potential tactics that you can pursue based off of that evidence, and we're going to kind of yay or nay it and have a conversation whether or not those tactics are good or not. Uh, again, I don't want to do this in the silo, so we're we're, we're going to talk to each other, uh, Clark, and hopefully those who are listening uh, to this episode will will pitch in as well. Uh, oh yeah! So let's let's dig into it. I'm so down for this format. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, super fluid. All right. So uh, in the last episode, I talked about I think 15 or so insights distilled in 50. I don't even know how many insights, but basically 15 minutes of insights. And I largely start the conversation with every single practitioner. Why do they do what they do in the industry? Like, what is their motivation for working in the industry? And most, the most common theme that I see is that they're driven by a sense of duty and they like solving complex problems and breaking things. So I'm like, okay, well, if they like yeah. doing that, if that's their intrins intrinsic motivation... What can we do to fuel that motivation? What we what can we do to help drive them in in continuing that particular action or experience, right? And I was thinking, well, games, gamification, uh, capture the flags, dynamic experiences at trade shows. Uh, showing real stories of complex problems and, and triumphs. I don't know. What do you think? I tend to agree because the, my my gut reaction is your number one goal should be to demonstrate to them that you give a shit just as much as they do about what they do, the meaning behind it, um, that you care, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. it's one of those qualitative things that it's, it's, there's a fine line to, to walk and it's, it, it can be pretty difficult to come up with that where you're, um, you're given limited touch points, interactions, engagement points to demonstrate that and enough to kind of get somebody on board or curious about what you do. Um, but getting on their level and not only showing that, that you care about the industry as a whole, like if, if you, particularly in cybersecurity, don't just demonstrate that you are a marketer. Demonstrate yeah. that you are a cybersecurity marketer or just a security oh, yeah. marketer. Like, and, and it, it goes so much deeper than just learning enough jargon where you don't feel embarrassed about unmuting your mic on a call you know mm -hmm. it's like you know speak the language know know their jargon like what yeah. they actually call the thing that you made up the stupid buzzword for yep um yeah it's uh, hackathons and b like sponsoring b-sides like yeah oh yeah yeah oh there you go right uh, like it's you know go to the underground like you don't have to like spend a hundred grand on a booth at rsa like really you sure yeah. about that because mm -hmm. you could distribute that budget across the entire country and go to so many b-sides and learn what's actually going on like what th that is the water cooler that is what like you know we're talking about practitioners that's what they give a shit about Show that you yeah. respect their world, you know. and the way that the way they do things too, the way they operate. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think. I think. Um. You know. I. I I'm going to reference them. Um. Quite aggressively in this episode because I think they're doing a good job. The folks over at Black Hills Information Security, 
Clark, I don't know if you know who they are over at um, BHIS, but they have their um, backdoors and breaches card game where you essentially. Oh, um, yep. You know what I'm talking about? They have the, I, the, the 52 when, cards where. Once you said that, I did. Yep. The tabletops. Yeah, the tabletops. I mean, and also when we did like when we did on the like, so that's physical format. They have the actual cards. But when Chris and I did, you know, um, Dungeons and Dragons for Business on the podcast virtually, I mean, that was a first of all, that was freaking hilarious. It was fun. It was entertaining, but it was also useful because you're you're going through these scenarios, right? You're breaking down oh, yeah. these scenario, like real world scenarios and doing, you know, building them back up in a way that applies to the business, um, which allows people to, again, you know, uh, tap into their their motivation of solving issues, solving problems, right? Practicing that in, in an environment that is relatively safe, but could be a, maybe a, I mean, podcast format can't be applied to real life, but you could practice, I guess. But um, I think those are- One those, of the those, bigger, I, one of the bigger regrets in my career, not- being in that session <laughs> in that like, in that session dude i mean we gotta we gotta we, 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 we gotta, gotta circle I mean, back like i chris and i, I would, have talked about it i i want to dm again so bad <laughs> yeah yeah all right so let's go to the the second one we talked about challenges the recurring theme regarding challenges that they're struggling with with tech Tech complexity. And when I say tech complexity, is like tool saturation, oversaturation yeah. of tools, um, and also um, communicating to non-technical stakeholders like the boards or even the CEO or the CFO. Yeah, cool. So, first of all, I mean the recommendation that a lot of the CISOs that I've spoken to is like have have relayed is teach me to speak your language as a business professional. If you're a sales pro, teach me to speak your your business language. But I, I recognize that for a lot of sales professionals and marketing professionals, that could be hard. But what if what if you created like a, a series of topics where you broke down, you know, how to simplify complex security topics as it relates to your domain, back to back to the particular buyer, or you know, created board ready reports for them or infographics or summaries basically chop up you know chop up all the complex information into bite-sized info for the right stakeholder what do you think yay or nay yes 100 percent. like you you absolutely must speak different languages and no i'm not talking about python or ruby like you have to be able to speak sales you have to be able to speak uh uh, project management, product, executive. Those are all different languages. And if you're claiming to be a, a marketer worth your salt, it's your job to persuade people. It's your job to disseminate information, distill it down to what can communicate a message in the most effective and efficient way possible. It's literally what you're there to do. Now, I, I have qualms with internal marketing, as it were, but I think there's a difference between being cheerleaders for the company and serving a very unique, uh, needed utilitarian purpose that you are uniquely qualified to do. I just thought of this. I was on a call earlier today. I can't say who or the company. Um, I want to blow your mind for a second. That's on on in the same vein as what we're talking about here. I spoke with a VP of marketing today in cybersecurity that part of onboarding and part of uh, being a marketer on this individual's team, every marketer is required to get their security plus cert. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, that is super valuable. But I'm going to play devil's advocate. I couldn't help what but do the same. Got, what yeah. if they got their certification for actually doing their job? You know where I'm getting at? Like, I do. You, you, you could be 
savvy on on the security side, on the technical side, but you gotta like you have to nurture your foundation of who you are as a professional. I get that. I don't want to say soft skills, but your communication skills, your your relay of relaying of value. You like I I don't know. I think that's a great feat. I think that's awesome. It might it's a differentiator for sure, but you have to nail the the soft skills first, in my opinion. I I totally get that. And I I that's kind of along the same lines as what I I thought as well. I was like, "Ooh, that's hardcore." However, I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Um for a couple of reasons, but the more I thought about it, um to what you just mentioned about d- developing those other skills is as a really good marketing leader I can teach those things like you yeah. you can teach those things like the best leaders out there but th- I, it's almost like bragging rights like you know we, we, we've been using the word elite here, here recently that's elite and that just struck yeah. me as something so out of left field like it blew me away i was like that's what if okay we gotta take this we gotta take this offline or yeah 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 what if um no i love it like not even Uh, their a plus like security plus like that's uh, you know uh, that's that's the the a team the varsity that's wow yeah um, but yeah, speaking different languages and uh, and being able to demonstrate that you, I honest, honest to God, I think it all just comes back to respect. Demonstrating that you respect the importance of what they do and the importance of how stressful it is. We're, we're in security. Like, we're talking about but critical ha- infrastructure and global yeah. banking and what, like that's an actual mission, you know. But how do you how do you balance um, as a demand gen marketer who's under very aggressive growth goals, mm-hmm. sometimes largely with very tight budgets and your job on the line? Like, how do you balance that respect or that approach to respect and that kind of you got to keep your cool? Let's be real. With I gotta get pipeline in the door and opportunity and revenue. How do you balance those two worlds? Part of me wants to say that not everybody's cut out for it because it's gonna push you. It's gonna push you hard, and and not just within an eight-hour window every every week. You know, um, yeah, yeah. You, you you gotta want it. Um, but if if you're if you're just going through your paces in in your in the industry trying to balance those expectations and goals that have been set for you with um some of the more qualitative you know quality of life but also value um driven stuff that you're you're trying to work towards you know some sometimes you take a night glass Sometimes, you know, you, you got to keep multiple balls in the air and pick what you want to want to double down on. Um, yeah. It's sometimes it's a personal decision. It's a hard one. It's it's yeah. it's a really hard one because you have to. Uh, you have to have a lot of self-awareness and, you know, you and I talk about like deep introspection a lot. Can I handle this? Can I push myself to be elite or really be effective? Am I willing to break a rule to do what I know that needs to be done that'll make me more effective in the long run? And whilst I'm doing that, how am I going to hit these fucking goals? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's such a tightrope. It's, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart for sure. All right, key goals. I want to keep it moving. Key goals uh, recurring are protecting critical assets and making efficient decisions based off of what's most at risk. 
So I was thinking, okay, and I've been I've been validating this lately. Uh, this is verbatim. Uh, playbooks, make playbooks for me. Practical playbooks, agile response playbooks, toolkits, uh, uh, fast acting solutions, real time alerts, quick decision making guides. Highlight how your products tie to that. That's what I got from buyers. Yay or nay? Scalable or not? Love actually, it. is the question. Love it. But can, is that enough? Is that enough? Is no. that enough? Like, do we need <laughs> what other what other things do we need to help generate demand with with regards to those goals? So, gut response is anything that separates you from the white paper slinging dipshits out there that just sit in people's desktop folders collecting dust. I, you said toolkits. And then separated that from um, playbooks. I like both of those, but I also like the fact that both of those were separate. Um, those can be different things. And I, I think that one of the, the takeaways that I'm getting from their response is I'm, I'm tired of getting bombarded with things that lead me to believe we have very, very different definitions of the word value. Um, and so that, that's, that's the qualitative response. You ain't going to get anywhere else. You're not going to, you're not going to get that from data. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're straight up telling you that what you're doing has no value. And yeah. you think, you think it does. And you're measured on, on goals or, you know, numbers, metrics that are reinforcing you. That's positive reinforcement just to keep doing the same shit. Nope. There's your answer right there that doesn't really matter. You you can't um, attribute intent to that, or you know your sales cycle is going to be arbitrarily longer than it should be. Um, th whew, that is such a good response. I I feel like we could dive into that all night. Like th that there is so much substance in that very simple response. Triggers for evaluating new solutions new te yeah. the tech existing tech is not cutting it out or there are regular regulatory changes and they need technology that supports those changes okay uh or maturing another one actually that's not listed here actually in front of me but i know is m maturing teams oh okay now, here's where I was kind of stumped on, like, what could be a recommendation from a DG standpoint, like, uh, maybe segment, uh, like, a really practical newsletter on um, intel or threats or or regulatory changes and those implications and position the solution within the, like, I, like what do you think from a tactical solution could could help? So. Or maybe a product video series related to the disgruntled buyer uh from the old competitor but this is what we do better i don't know i'm thinking trying to think out loud so the the first thing that comes to mind is trying to pull out those little nuggets from from that mm -hmm. and i think that there are some insights there that could possibly inform your messaging and maybe even um inform design and copy choices in your ads and i'll tell you why mm. um when you say that that they're saying that uh, what was it uh, like exactly uh, the the number two on the list that the product wasn't the, what, the, te did, the existing tech wasn't cutting it anymore wasn't cutting it so as a marketer i want to know if their if their current tech actually wasn't cutting it or if they were sold some shit that didn't need. Mm. And so between that and like a direct comparison, there's a lot of actual pain points that, that you can start to poke um, that they may not have even known that they told that they just told you. 
So I, I think of that Where, as a is a messaging and, you know. So so what what in your opinion is the best way to extract that qualitative data? Because it it likely will not be you doing that as a marketer. Likely likely will be an SC or an account executive trying to get that. My fear with that is that again because you are not in control as a marketer of that conversation and you're looking for a specific data point that a E or SC might not, might not, they possibly will, but might not be asking the, the, gui the guided or the open-ended questions you need to get that data. So how would you navigate that scenario? Um, this is one of those where my opinion ranges from very... Um, milk toast and tame all the way to completely unhinged <laughs> um level level one is hey make as many friends internally as you can make your intentions known relate your intentions to their desired outcomes and see see if they'll ask some questions for you if you're not going to be the point of contact prove prove how what you know Giving a list of a few questions to them to be answered is going to benefit both of you, whether it's the company as a whole or just making you two folks look good at, at a reporting sesh on Google Slides. Um, the complete opposite end of that spectrum, which I'm uh, becoming more and more a fan of, is take part of your budget and just bribe sales. Just give them yeah. fit because at the end of the day, they that's they're there for money. That's why they're in sales. Mad respect. Um, that's a so so play to that. Every single yeah. every single piece of insight that you get me, here's here's your top 10 most wanted. The number one piece of information that I want to know that you only you are ever gonna have access to getting. I need you to go inception these people and ask them this question and then plant this totem in their brain or, you know, whatever they do. I don't know. It's maybe made no sense. Um, but yeah, it just bribes just old school duffel bags full of cash. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> the only thing that matters is, is figuring out how your audience thinks and how your potential buyers mm -hmm. think. And that changes on such a constant basis that this can't just be a one-off thing. That's why I say allocate budget to it. You know, just to, just to you know, pay off the the AE mafia. I don't care. Get me the info. You know, I'll wear an eye patch and you know, whatever. So we were you were talking about, um, you know, well, if the tech wasn't cutting it then we could spin up a, an ad campaign to optimize copy and landing pages or something, something like that along those lines. I, I think that video is going to play hard for me right there. I think that, mm -hmm. I think there's an opportunity to um, make friends with your buddies in product and you, you guys tag team it and figure out what the real issue is. It, is it a, you got duped problem or is it a tech problem? Because if it's a tech problem, then you, product marketer, get with the engineers and figure out exactly what it is, and I'll figure out how to get that to the masses in a way that they can understand. If it, mm -hmm. if it takes um, hiring a bunch of uh, security influencers to talk about how bad this other tool is, and they run into the same problem, and eventually there's just this... Uh, this water cooler chatter of everybody going, fuck, I, same thing happened to me. We've been dealing with the same thing. And then the second that message come, like starts to gain traction, I, a little bit of a medium to longer term play. But as soon as that narrative takes hold, that's when your top of funnel, mid funnel stuff, uh, carpet bombs on all the channels where you gain the most traction, whether it, I don't care if it's TikTok, YouTube, it, it was probably a combination of those two in Reddit. Um, mm -hmm. That's where I'm going with, here you go. Mm -hmm. Cause you can't talk in Reddit. You, you, Interesting. 
Yeah, because you can't just go, um, look, here, I'm the knight on a white horse to come save everybody from a problem that you all all have. Um, you can't do that because they're going to say, you arrogant marketer, you arrogant vendor, how do you know what our actual problems are? You have to let them figure out that they all have the same problem and then just yeah. you happen to be there. Just social engineer your way through it. Strategic <laughs> narrative. Barriers to buying. So uh, a lot of the reasons why buyers don't purchase, this is recurring in the, in the conversations that I've had, is they have to deal with a lot of manual processes that's being thrown at them from the sales side. Um, on top of it, all the Marcom that's being thrown at them. They just want to know what the product can do and see how it can do it. Second reason, the tech is clunky and it's mm. not up to par. And third is team maturity. Like it just doesn't fit their team maturity at this particular time. We have this conversation a lot in demand gen. Like, do we give them an on-demand demo? Do we like let them feel it for themselves? Do we give them a POV environment? Let them run with the demo by themselves to address their own barriers and then get, get back to us. Like reducing that friction. To me, I think that that's the best solution is just give them the demo right off the bat. Let them experience it for themselves versus having them run through or jump through hoops and different phases and different reps before they actually mm. get to some kind of right. um, answer, yay or nay. Cool. Yeah. This is, I feel like, a big conversation in the DG it, world is like. It, okay, so I'm glad you said that because from my perspective, yes, it is a very big conversation right now. However, Personally, I have no idea why. Why? Well, I mean, because the, there's always like, okay, so the answer that I've gotten from product is, oh, well, we don't want our competitors to see our platform. And if you were confident in your product, you wouldn't give a shit. Don't tell me I, that. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if, 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 think of it this way everybody's so worried about. Um, I've, I've known orgs that, uh, only let, uh, certain individuals give demos or even say that demos are available, like mm -hmm. in, in person or whatnot, like it, it's so hush hush, like maybe, maybe at the Palo Alto level at the like behemoths. Like, sure, there's some proprietary stuff there, but like your Series A venture-backed open source project that you got $5 million, $5 million seed round for, you have to build in plain sight. You, you, you need to be showing that, that process and how dedicated you are because I, what other option do you have? You, you're not mm -hmm. big enough to, for anybody to have a reason to trust you or listen to you. Um, put it this way. If, if you want to buy a new car, let me, let, let me ask you this. You go to a car lot and you see a sales dude in cargo shorts about to try to sell you a car, power walking towards you. Do you go toward him or do you move away? No, I'm definitely moving away. Trick question. You go buy cars out of a, vending machine now because you're so yeah. sick of that sales process like it, yeah. it, there's it, why why are you i mean the, the, in kind of an adjacent argument to like gated content um it's if you have something that actually has value if your product is good enough it solves a problem for the practitioners the the mission and provides some uh business like actual business aligned um outcomes if you combine that with a marketing department that knows what the hell they're doing and can communicate that effectively give give away the barn let them see everything yep. the, and yep. they're 
because they will let you know. You're not going to force them into, you're not going to shove them further down the funnel. They dictate that, that pace, not you. Mm-hmm. And so I love that where like the, the on-demand demos, that should be a thing across the board because you, you, you also have to take into consideration that there is, I believe there is merit in, in beating on your own chest a little bit and just being like, yeah, here it is. What do you mm-hmm. got? Like mm-hmm. there, there's not enough. There are a lot of toxic things in the industry, but there could also be a little more room for bravado and pride yep. in your work and not being afraid to just like, here it is. Do you want it or not? Don't care because we're going to take over the world anyway because it's awesome. You know, it's with with demos in particular there there's always that conversation also that just to touch on another point of, of more friction internally in having that conversation is it always gets brought up that it's not technically possible like the on-demand like there's so much involved like you can generate uh dummy sets of data you can get a platform like shout out nevatic other platforms like it where it's just it just shows like it's an on rails experience that you can control you can gate it yeah. or not like whatever mm-hmm. like anything you can do to show that off like oh why you know cars and vending machines that that was the answer to friction in the buying process this is why no one yeah, wants to 100%. talk to a human being anymore but yeah i digress yeah well chase Chase is doing that. Chase Cunningham. He's he's um, created Demo Force, which is basically letting people test products in their browser with no install or no downloads. You just you get that VM environment spun up. Oh, that's sick. Use use you get the analytics. Also, you could take a look at you know um, the evolution of the the usage, um, so that you're improving you know over time your experience of the actual product as well, which is pretty cool. So. What? We'll give them a shout out. shout out there. Dem- yeah, Demo-force.com. Word. Pretty cool. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, all right. Buyer's journey. Ah, cool. buyer's journey. Yeah. Everybody likes to create a big, big jumble of the journey. But mostly they're saying, hey, like, I know what my requirements are. I do my own research. I talk to people. I look at forums. I talk to my Slack community. And then when I'm ready, I reach out to the form or the salesperson and I, and I get on the phone. That's it. No complex, squiggly. I mean, have you heard anything different in your experience tracking customer journeys, buyers, buyers journeys? Here is my, today has been a very long, exhausting day answer. Everybody's trying to figure out and map the buyer journey when none of it matters at all. You are wasting time, money, and resources that could be allocating to things that actually matter. Trying to go where the puck is at rather than trying to go where the puck is going to be is wasted efforts. That is a beautifully said statement. All right, actions for for following up on that evidence. Just get into the communities. Talk to them. Talk to the people. Yeah. I mean, talk. I'm again with, with your shout out to Black Hills. Yeah, shout out to Black Hills. They created a community of 41k Discord, 41k people Discord, where they just talk to each other. I love it. I love that. It's awesome. It's just community based. Yeah. Talk yeah, to people. Engage yeah, in discussions. That's, that's, this is probably going to be the only one that I don't just completely wax poetic and full, you know, go full verbose on. Um, it's that simple. Talk to them. Like, yeah. you want to, you want to know what the buyer journey is? Uh, go, go find them. Ask them where they go. That's it. Yeah. Stop yeah. throwing darts. Yeah. 
oh, this gets me so wound up. Like the 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 orgs and the marketing leaders that try to map out the buyer journey and spend so much time doing that are the ones that don't market to human beings. They market to personas, not people with yes, lives yes, yes. and better shit to do. They try to mm-hmm. shove everybody in the same box because it's it's predictable. Nothing's predictable if all your data is wrong. Just the, the the human conversations go along. The honest human conversations go a long way because at the end of the day, again, like in, in the conversations that, that I've been having is that they're saying, you know, we recommend people also one based off of the technology and how good it the technology works, but also based on yep. how people treat them. You it, know, and exactly. That that's just another opportunity to demonstrate that you respect and you know what what they do and care. It's yeah, so powerful. All right, evaluation process challenges. So one, uh, tool saturation. We know that the market is saturated with platforms and products and services but another is like vendor transparency like if the vendor is not transparent throughout the whole process that is a huge 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 hurdle for uh for the buyers um be super clear like being super clear about what they can and cannot do being honest about that is a, is a challenge that i've heard um time and time again in the conversations that i've had with customers so i i want to talk about this which um, I've I've I ran this play in the past. And I almost doubled down on this play in the past. It's it's the the competitor ads, the comparison guides. Cool. And I've, let's, I've asked, let's go. I've, yes. Yeah. So I've I've asked the buyers. I've asked the buyers. So do those guys actually help you? They're like, no. So I'm like, well, what did we fucking do all our months? Um, but I, like I I want to get your input as to what 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 you think would be a good way from a demand gen perspective to show the value versus others in the market. Like I, if it were up to me, it would be, again, be honest about what you can and cannot do and even highlight what the competitor can do. Say, Hey, like, yeah, they do this for sure. And if they're good, go with them. Um, piece of advice also is just don't shit on the competitors because oh, you, maybe you could eventually integrate down the road. You know what I mean? Like mistake. integration is huge. You could you could be acquired by yeah. yeah. Huge mistake. So what what is kind of a piece of advice or recommendation in terms of action moving forward when when it comes to trying to help uh buyers in the evaluation process? overcome the hurdle of tool saturation and, and vendor transparency. This is definitely part of that conversation that demand gen marketers are uniquely qualified to have. It's the basis for the need for conversations like this. I could trace that back personally to what we discussed earlier about product marketers taking, taking root before demand gen and anybody that has a sense about brand um, and tone and voice and messaging um, actually get a seat at the table. Um, because a lot of times w- what's being put out there, um, the, these false promises, I, I think a lot of where that comes from is an eagerness to market off of a message um, for a, a product based on what, you wish it did rather than what it does. Um, and you sometimes don't get to decide that I can, I can sell you a hammer, but I can't be mad when you buy four of them and just start juggling them rather than hammering and nails, do whatever you want. Like you're the one that's going to seriously evaluate this more so than maybe a lot of our internal team has because a lot is at stake. Um, When it comes to evaluating, ask them what they do. Like what, what is that process like? Is there, I mean, just like you said about the the comparison stuff, that's another thing like the buyer's journey that comparison pages and, and whatnot, like sure. We've all 
you know, hijack some traffic with some competitive ads and some competitor comparison landing pages. But like, does it help them? Turns out might might not be as uh, it might be very disproportionate than how much you're allocating trying to produce, right? Yeah. Um, so don't don't spend a lot of time on things that they're not directly telling you. This is the exact process of what I do. Everybody, mm-hmm. it, it, like, this is a meritocracy. Everybody will get your shot if you're there. If I know about you, if you're honest, like if it if it looks cool, if it looks like it could solve um, some some real issues that we're having, if I can tie it to business outcomes, to you know whatever, what what you know, it's it's their world. You're just you're just a visitor. Um, I- I do want to touch in and like, this is kind of like, like I'm going to maybe shift the conversation a little bit, but understanding competitor analysis to me, I yeah. think that's so crucial. I mean, I've, I've done like surface level competitive uh, analysis um, in, in house. I wish I had more time to do more of that. You know what I mean? Same. I think it's so valuable and, and, and it's not to like, again, it's not to poo poo on the competitor. It's really to understand the strength and, and weakness, like do a deep, deep dive. I mean, this is, I think, why a lot of these agencies are making bank on this because it's a hard thing to do. But I think as a Yeah, as I, a I get real engine, creepy like, with it. Yeah. Like that's part of your You got to get real good. You got to get real good at understanding not only what it is you do, but what it is your competitors do. I, I mean, I, I like pre- preaching to the choir. I got I to gotta get better at it. Uh, I'm deep in customer research and, and doing content and all that kind of stuff. But I got I to gotta, the competitor side let's just say that much well it and it, I, th- I think a lot of people like product marketers they're going to go step by or side by side comparison on features for example i know that's mm-hmm. very fundamental but you know start from there um uh, creatives or you know designers are going to look at their user experience and you know whatever content marketers are going to look at the value of the content what's gated what's not like what do they think is important one of the things that you have to be really careful of in doing that type of research is that's one of the few times that I, I always advised it's okay to zoom out, zoom out mm-hmm. big, zoom out very wide because you might have an identical product, but they're crushing you. And if you can't figure out why, if you're only going to their website, you don't know. You need to be able to like, you need to become friends with a lot of open source intelligence analysts and figure out how to find ex- track down exactly their brand's digital footprint everywhere because it could be in their messaging, it could be in their distribution, it could be uh, it, certain channels, um, LinkedIn ad library. Like who knows? They they yeah. could be on the roads being the ones. Um, sponsoring all the the b-sides you'd never know if you're just looking at their website yeah 100 you gotta know them inside and out 100 all right decision criteria um does it align with my business goals user experience and compliance those were the, the main three themes i here's where i'm like okay well we can create you know, and this is where kind of a bit buyer enablement, sales enablement comes in, but like yeah. creating defensible artifacts that make the business case for the buyer. Like, I don't know, not necessarily in the demand gen wheelhouse, but you could spearhead that for providing that at scale. I could see that. I, d- I do want to touch on the the list itself i almost want to push back against that that seems too that seems too simple i don't know maybe that's just a gut reaction but all right let's let's dig in then let's dig in because i have the detail i have the detailed one seems like there are more there's gotta be more to that yeah yeah for sure let's see decision criteria uh well yeah there's business alignment uh user experience compliance um, support and integration actually are two big ones. Yeah. Support integration and integration. Support, that might be, 
Yeah, okay. those are the ones. That's a little more more rounded than yep. uh, the the first things that any any decent marketing team, uh, unscrupulous or otherwise, they could present a picture that fits all of that criteria regardless of what it actually does. Um, yeah, you got to tread lightly there. The the integrations and support, like that's so huge. Like demand gen, like you don't. This is actually one of those things that you don't see a lot in messaging, um, in in ads, in in copy. Um, why aren't more people talking about rather than how good the product is? Is how good. The product is once you've been with us for six months or a year down the road, like it only gets better. Like we're not here just to sell you a thing in a box. Like that's where you can create some dialogue around actual partnerships. And maybe, maybe there's an emotional take there for in partnering and in investing in their long-term growth and success. Um, there, there's, uh, there's a voice there for being united together in a mission. Um, aligning yourself with that that higher mission that that they believe in. There's so many different ways to skin that so cat. If I hear you, if I hear you correctly, you're saying instead of presenting the story of like a one like a an end goal, show the story of progress. I, I just kind of distill it for me a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So. I'll do this. A lot of the ads you see are feature-based, no. fear-based, or nonsense. Uh, just mm -hmm. abstract, okay? So instead of the, the me, 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 me ads, why not instead of promoting the product or what, you know, whatever, full protection on every whatever, um, in the same vein is kind of social proof. Like why don't we showcase customer success and mm. what, what happens on your journey with us? Mm, I see. Like, like yeah. not, not just sell you the hammer, hammer hits the nail, nail goes yeah. on the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, nah, the, our clients build houses. Yeah. I love that. I, I also think that, like, given there are so many technologies, that is a challenge to sift through. But the fact that integration plays a huge role in, in the decision, I know that tech alliances and those programs are huge. Mm. But from a DG standpoint, why not double down on that and, like, expand the ecosystem to be, like, the tech media ecosystem? Create some kind of, like, media... I don't know. I'm just off the Tell top me of my about head. That. Like, yeah. You know. What, what is um, that? What is that? Head, like, what I don't know. Like, like? You, you, like, bring on the heavy hitters from some of the larger logos that are aligned with your technology and run programs with them. You know, utilize their clout and their pull and their logo and their brand affinity and showcase the story, but also, you know, showcase the partnership and how it works and what are the implications. Like, talk about that integration, double down on the story of that integration and why that integration is critical and how it works and go into the nuts and bolts of it all. There's so many like, stories to, to, to be told there that people just aren't telling. Like, I, I come instead from... Instead of like, we I, integrated with this, woohoo! But like, okay, but you know, the general press release, like go even in more detail. Right. It, right. You know? It's tactics in, in how you present because I come from a, a screenwriting and filmmaking, like independent filmmaking, directing background, like hundred years ago. That's where my brain goes when it comes to narrative. So rather than doing a generic PR blast email, who's it's, and uh, wasting money on a, a bunch of display ads to tell everybody that you now integrate with, huh? Um, you take that and take it to the people that are already with you that are benefiting yeah. from the new thing. 
I'll do you one better. Instead of going, hey, if I make up a quote that you said, will you sign off on it so I can put it on my thing for some, we, we're going to try some social proof. Bullshit. Here's what you do. You take, you take three days out of the week. You get somebody on your team with a, a camera, a decent uh, mic, a couple of lavalier mics and say, hey, can we come to your headquarters and like, you just like show us around and like, let's just let us shoot a couple things like wherever is allowed, whatever. Um, let's, let's have lunch in your cafeteria. Let's show me your city. Let's have a conversation. And I'm going to tell that story and I'm going to chop it up into clips everywhere. And everybody's going to see that we are best friends. And it's all because we did the new thing that you love Cisco. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Taking a more human approach approach to it. Versus you want to tell like, a story, tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's fucking awesome. All right. We're two more. We got the yeah. shit list and the alternatives. So the dislikes. Ooh. Yeah. What, let's what, yeah. The dislike. So obviously, you know, the, the, the aggressive sales tactics, right. And, um, you know, the email outreach, the cold outreach, and then just the lack of an understanding. Now, here's where the shameless plug comes in, because if you're not understanding, then you take Audience First Academy and you sign on with Audience First and you learn about the customer and we do that hand by hand with you. But the one thing that like, you know, pisses me off and we, we talked about it also at Cyber Marketing Con with George and we talk about it on the pod and you talk about it is vendors, they are not training their go to market teams enough. It's not right. only on the actual individuals to learn by themselves, but there has to be some training set up for them to understand the buyer, yeah. understand the product, understand the space. It has to be ingrained. It's because executives don't know that they have to do that. They assume that if you're a good marketer, then you already know how to do that because that's part of your job. And so mm -hmm. if there's a disconnect there and they walk in and there's something else going on, like it's just a, a theory I have. Uh, another one would be that um, it's not the go-to-market team, it's the sales team. Well, I mean, I'd argue marketing as well, who are you know staffing the booths and not distinguishing between their elbows True. and their asses, or even customer success that aren't really customer success. That's a good call out and very often overlooked. And and maybe I was thinking of more like the in-person conversations and, yeah. and, and whatnot. I, I'll renege on that. Um, I, I mean, honestly, this is marketing uh, messaging and being misguided in this industry is basically, you know, how we both feed our families. Um, um, but that's, that's one of those things that you, you what are you doing? Yeah. I, I know that both of us look, look, in from our perspective and go it's so obvious it's so obvious and honestly i don't think that it has anything to do uh, well i'm not there yet but i'm starting to get to the point where i don't think it has anything to do with this industry i think it has everything to do or maybe at least in some part to nobody understanding the importance of talking to your audience as a marketer. Because yeah. the, the, same, the same could be applied. Like if, if you take, you know, drywall repair, if you don't know your, uh, your audience, then you're going to do everything that they hate. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you're going to do it from the very beginning and you're not going to know how to fix it unless you talk to them. Yeah, 100%. I think that's also, and this is where I listed also, like you can take, you can enroll in Audience First Academy, but you just start, got to start building relationship capital. You got to start, Ooh, yeah. you know, connecting with people. And that also is yeah. something that a lot of people can't successfully do, like need a little bit of guidance on how to do. So we might throw out a guide somewhere. Um, all right, last, last one, uh, last yeah. one, fast one. Likes and vendors, they value genuine connections and relationships and clear, clear communication. I think this has a lot to do with the, the customer success program. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about GTM and this is not, this is 
largely, you know, demand gen focused, but I think if anything, part of the marketing function has to be the success. I mean, marketing is a customer experience function. It has to be the, oh, yeah. you know, we have to focus on um, not only the, the demand gen, uh, but the retention of, of the customer. And right. so if we can work in tandem with customer success somehow or have a customer marketing function in tandem with top of funnel demand gen, right, on building long-term relationship and, and advocacy, I, well, why aren't people double downing on that in the marketing department? Like that's more resource saving than going all all out on DG. What do you think? Not being able to see the forest for the trees. Not seeing long term, whether it's their fault or not. Um, if they're being held to goals that don't incentivize those types of behaviors, they're never going to do them. Never. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, and this is where the introspection comes in. Like, what kind of marketer do you want to be? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if there's no incentive there, then yeah, it's, it's also want the same organizations that um, sales and marketing are incentivized to, you know, get in a fist fight with each other behind a Wendy's, you know, it's, it's so, <laughs> it's so weird. Like I, and all, I like the way you put that, like all kind of coming through uh, customer success. If, if marketers understood the power in that partnership, and that alignment, like if, if you're fortunate enough to have a, a fairly robust CS team, you need to be doubling and tripling down on fostering a, a long-term relationship with that team internally just as much as you do with sales. They can be an advocate yeah. for you. They can gain insights for you. Um, yeah, I, I really like the, the customer success program. And like from the DG perspective, you know, we, what we talked about earlier, like that's, that's another experiment to run in, in your copy, in your ads is let's highlight how awesome we are after we have your money, not just when we're trying yep. to get it. All right, there you have it. You're coming in, you know, you know this stuff, but I've regurgitated this so much that I'm like, well, it just is kind of table stakes. So like, what do you think? Do you think this direction is realistic, is able to scale growth at the at the rate that is expected of startups these days. Like, do you think this is a, a holistic, healthy approach that is, I mean, it's evidence-based, but tell me what your initial thoughts. Yes. It, it's mm -hmm. the, like, this is one of those things that I have no problem being staunchly dog dogmatic about. This is the way to do things. If you're marketing to people, talk to the people. Yeah. Period. End of, end of statement. Like nothing else matters. Like if, if, you're, if, if you're doing anything that's not predicated on that fundamental concept in marketing, what, what are you doing? Like it's, it, it's yeah. and when it comes to is this revolutionary? Um, it, it depends on how you define revolutionary. If you say, uh, if you mean that in the sense of like novel and new concepts, there's one answer. But if you mean there needs to be a, an actual revolution, yes. Y yes, there does. Absolutely. I, I, I will uh, drag everybody kicking and screaming. We're doing it, folks. We are doing it. Any last things you want to impart on the audience today before we sign off? Nothing matters if you don't know your audience. And, you know, it. go. Amen. Don't, don't assume. Don't assume. It's so arrogant to think you know everything about your audience if you have not spoken to them. The buyer journey, their pain points. You don't know. Stop, stop claiming you do. And if you're incentivized to, uh, to not care, figure out what kind of marketer you want to be. There we go.
beautifully said. I will not add anything to that because that's that's just that's the line right there. Well, Clark, I appreciate you. As always, I appreciate you. As always, th- this is awesome. I love this format. I I, I love this. Good. This is this is very cool. This was a good a good session. And to those of you who are listening, thanks again for for joining us today. This has been another episode of Audience First. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Audience First. If you like what you've heard, feel free to follow or subscribe to Audience First on Apple, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast streamers.